up? Welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jake Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Puma, and the Pro Football Radio senior contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burgess. I was welcome in. How are you? Podcast 78 is live. Great to be here down in Connecticut. It's snowing here, but I'm, I'm good to go. I've been looking forward to doing this little recap episode this week and after all the shit we were talking in group chats kind of glad we can talk <laughs> actually put it down so people can actually listen to the shit that we're saying lots of bickering lots of bickering uh, the past few days oh god. my goodness bickering with a capital b my god well I'll give you guys a quick recap of what we're going to do for the uh for the podcast this week we're going to talk about the super bowl being set because of the conference championship games that were played this past weekend. Um, the Bucks beat the Packers 31-26. We'll break that down. We'll break down the Chiefs absolutely blowing out the uh, Buffalo Bills 38-24. Uh, we'll touch on some Aaron Rodgers news, and then we'll talk about some Matthew Stafford news as well, um, as both quarterbacks might be on the open market. So, without any further ado, you guys ready to do this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's All go. right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went into Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. Uh, they ended up winning 31-26 and punching their ticket to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs. Um, Tom Brady had a pretty decent first half, uh, kind of pretty bad second half. And Aaron Rodgers himself couldn't capitalize in the second half and in the key moments of the game to put the uh, the Buccaneers away. So, Puma, what was your initial thoughts on this game? Uh, I mean, it, it was overall it was a very interesting game, and I, I know Burns, you're gonna hit on this, you know, in, in a minute. But I mean, the, the referees ate the whistle a lot in this game. They let these guys play. Uh, but uh, in, my, in my opinion, like a lot of this comes down to the, the coaching decisions for the Green Bay Packers. And the same could be said for the Buffalo Bills when we get to that too. I mean, Mike Pettin and that defense going into halftime, what are you doing? Like, how? why do you let Scotty Miller get behind you and Oof, to, to, to get play. the touchdown? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a bad play. And, you know, you hit on it, Jay. Like, Tom Brady didn't have the best second half. And up. By that, we mean he threw three interceptions on consecutive drives, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. And this was after Aaron Rodgers comes up to the defense and says, hey, man, get a stop. Hey, man, get a stop. Well, the defense did. They spot you three interceptions, and you guys walked away with six points. I mean, just just so much blame to go around. Aaron Rodgers is 1-4 in, in his career in NFC mm-hmm. Championship games. This is the second year in a row where they just turtled up, uh, especially in the NFC Championship game as well, too. So, like, there's going to be a lot of long, hard questions going on in Green Bay right now. And if I'm a Packers fan, I'm I'm more pissed at the coaching decisions and play calling than the call at the end of the game. I think the call at the end of the game is just, you know, Matt LaFleur should buy those referees dinner because that's going to take the heat off of him for a little bit. But at some point... You're going to have to answer the music, Matt LaFleur, on why you did what you did, settling for a field goals, um, letting you know Aaron Rodgers not pulling the trigger on running in for a touchdown, Alan Lazard not being on the same page. There's just so much to go around the, on the, the Packers' side. And, and Tampa Bay, you know, the defense showed up. I mean, the defense did a decent job. They gave up 26 points, but, I mean, they, they kept it close. They kept the, they kept the game alive for the Buccaneers, and – and they capitalized on it. So, I mean, good on Tampa Bay for going to the Super Bowl and just cementing Brady as the greatest of all time. Yeah, Burge, yeah. what was your quick thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, you know, watching this game, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Puma. Like, 
that that third down when Aaron Rodgers had a chance to to, to basically run into the end zone or at least get to say the three or two yard line to make it a manageable fourth and goal to go to kind of make that decision a lot easier, you know, for Matt LaFleur um, in that situation. It's just, I, I was just very disappointed in, in how Green Bay performed, uh, especially on offense in this game. I mean, they did their job in the second half. Their defense did their job to put this team in position to win. You think with, you know, what's talked about as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, you think mm-hmm. on you're going to get spotted those interceptions. He's going to make you pay at least once. Instead, he goes three and out twice. Mm-hmm. I, it was just very disappointing. And, you know, getting to that call and that, I hated that penalty flag in that, in that time of the game to make that call. I, I, Tampa Bay wins the game regardless because I have no faith that Aaron Rodgers is going to take a punt back, you know, and drive the length of the field when he hasn't done it all game to, to win the game. But you let him play all game. You let them fight it out all game. I get that it was a blatant penalty. He definitely held him. It was 100% a penalty. But in terms of the consistency with how it was called, I absolutely hated that. It kind of robbed the casual fan of this game, you know, one of the NFL's biggest games, the opportunity to see the strengths of each team in the second half go at it. You had Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense playing lights out. And then you had, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, again, talked about as one of the greatest of all time, with a chance to go down and win the game. You know, that, that, that for me pissed me off, but it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I don't want to hear any more comparisons of Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady, you know, in terms of the greatest of all time talk. Aaron Rodgers is not a winner, and, no, and it's, it's, clear. it's clear. That's, it's clear. It's clear. That's a great point, man. I want to hit on that a little bit because there's a lot of love and adulation that gets sent towards Aaron Rodgers' way. And if you guys know anything about me, Puma, you know this about me quite a bit. I hate premature coronation. And we've got to look at this guy's career now. He is 1-4 in, in an NFC Championship game. So he comes up small in these games. I mean, most of these games that, uh, you know, essentially he's in in the NFC Championship, his teams are pretty good, right? I mean, 14-2 and two that one year where he lost to the Giants, 13-3 um, and three this year, 13-3 and three last year. Um, and then the one year, I'm blanking right now, was it 15-1? and one, uh, where The year they went to Seattle and Russell yeah, Wilson threw four. Egg. Russell Wilson threw four interceptions and a fumble, and Rodgers still couldn't close the deal. Yep. And I'm sitting there watching this game in the second half, and I know Brady had a bad second half. Obviously, I'm the biggest Brady fan that out there. But to be objective, you know, Brady essentially had a really bad game. He was daring Aaron Rodgers to take that game by the throat and win it. And I was thinking to myself, back in the olden days, right, if this was reversed, if Tom Brady got the ball – like three times from his, you know, uh, from his from his contemporary in AC Championship game, we would have known without a doubt he would go down and win that game, right? Just like we knew mm-hmm. when we got the coin toss in the uh, Super Bowl against uh, the Falcons, that game was over. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't strike that fear in you, right? So I, I do want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and why people seem to think that he's the greatest of all time. Maybe as simple as his his elite physical skills, the the fact that you 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 like the way he throws the ball. Maybe it's more pleasing to the eye the way he flicks the ball. I think that's what a lot of people get enamored with, but via the stats, via the leadership, uh, it's not there. And I want to hand the leadership part as well because, you know, after the the, the game ended and all the players from Buccaneers being, you know, interviewed, a lot of them came back to saying, listen, Tom Brady instilled this, this different culture in the locker room. He kind of, you know, taught us how to win. And I feel like it's like the complete opposite of that with Aaron Rodgers. I feel like he doesn't make his teammates better. And maybe that's just me drawing an unfair comparison, but I feel like that's part of it. That's part, I'm sure that's part of it as well that... Um, um, that Aaron Rodgers has those lack of leadership skills. So what do you guys think it is? Why does why does Aaron Rodgers get all this premature hype and coronation? I think it's just, be, you know, I think you said it, Jay. I think it's just because 
you know, how he throws the football. He won his first Super Bowl. Really, let me walk that back. He won his only Super Bowl when he was relatively young. He was new in the league. I think, what was he? He was in his fourth year. He yeah. held the clipboard for two years behind Favre. Yep. Uh, they wanted to run him out of town when Favre wanted to come back, and Mike McCarthy said, you know, the train has left the station. You know, Rodgers is our guy. They went and won a Super Bowl. And, you know, ever since then, it's just been you know, a lackluster performance. And to the leadership point, Jay, like, you know, coming as the Dolphins fan uh, of the pod, like Tom Brady, I can admit, like, does bring that leadership, like that CEO type of you know, quality to a, to a team. Like you saw that with the Pats with like, you know, he was the poster child of the Patriot way. And, you know, he probably was the Patriot way, but it got, you know, coined to Bill Belichick and we can have that debate several times on this podcast. Uh, but then you look at what he's done to, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, lackadaisical franchise. Let's be honest. Everybody kind of ran rough shot. You have people eating W's and he gets there and everybody has a little bit more pep in their step. They take a little bit more pride in their work kind of deal, except maybe Mike Evans. He's a little bit more too, uh, more emotional uh, mm-hmm. as a player on that team. But then you look at Aaron Rodgers and everything is eggshells. Everything is passive aggressive. You know, when the highs are high, they're, 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 they're Mount Everest highs. And when they're low, they're probably like the lowest points on the earth. And I mean, we've seen that several times throughout his career. He can be sullen. He can be moody. He can throw people under the bus. And he just seems to get a, a free pass because of how he throws the football and how some people on ESPN say he's a bad man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, th- I think you bring up great points, man. And, like, I'm sitting there watching his press conference, and I'll give you guys some of the quotes from his press conference in a second. But I'm watching his language, his body language, just how he looks dejected and down, essentially turning and pointing the finger at the coaching staff. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is why you're not a great leader. Like, I mean, we've seen Tom Brady lose some some bad games. I mean, we've seen him throughout the years lose the 07 Super Bowl or the uh, 2011 Super Bowl, whatever it is. But the guy still goes to the podium at the end of the day and doesn't point fingers. The, the first thing he says is, like, I got to make some better throws. I got to be mm-hmm. a better leader, blah, blah, blah. And you've got Aaron Rodgers going up there and saying some outlandish shit, man. I'll give you some of the the remarks. You know, one of the reporters asked, you know, uh, post game, how how do you where do you go from here? And he said, I don't know, I don't really know. A lot of unknowns going into this off season. I am going to have to have to take some time away for sure and clear my head and see what is going on with everything. But it's pretty tough right now. Uh, he also said a lot of guys' features that are, are uncertain, myself included. This is what is sad about it the most. So he's just kind of like hinting at maybe he doesn't want to be there. Maybe he's trying to send a strong message to the upper management in Green Bay. He kind of walked those comments back today a little bit, um, essentially saying <laughs> on the Pat half McAfee asked. show. Yeah, he half-assed it this morning on the Pat McAfee show saying, I don't think there's any reason why I wouldn't be back. But look, there's not many absolutes, as you guys know, in this business, right? So, I mean, I don't know. Does he want out? It looks like he does. So he kind of walked it back today a little bit. So I don't know what you guys think about that. But it just goes to just how bad of a loser he is. And I know Tom Brady's a bad loser as well. But you don't go to this podium and start pointing fingers at the head coach after a big loss. No, I, I agree. And, and, you know, in terms of, like, looking at the greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, I think Patrick Mahomes has already passed him. You know, I mean, he's you have a small sample size on Mahomes, but, it, you know, it, where it stands now, like, if you're telling me uh, if I want Patrick Mahomes or I want Aaron Rodgers on my franchise leading it in their prime, I want Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, yeah. it might be premature yeah. to do that, but, like, Mahomes carries himself the right way, mm-hmm. and, he, you know, he's a baller, and he's a winner. At this point, he's a winner. And Rodgers just comes across to me as he's just a, he's just a loser, and he just, you know, that, that, game, that game told a lot. 
about mm-hmm. about who Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback and, and frankly as a as a professional athlete in in general. And I mean to hit on the the Rodgers bit, what, what you just said, and, and Mahomes, like you saw that on the sideline, like mic'd up with Mahomes when he went to console like Mecole Hardman and like with Travis Kelsey, like he went right over. He told Mecole to just snap out of it essentially, and Mecole mm-hmm. had one of the the bigger game, plays of the game uh, to seal the win for him. And you, this is just Rodgers being Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is just you know Big Ben two point If if I'm management, like this. You know, they, Green Bay got killed in the draft, but like I could, this is moments like this is why I think upper management drafted Jordan Love where they did. Like, yeah, they traded up to get this guy to have the successor in the wings, but like at some point, the the, the passive aggressiveness is going to come to a head, and you know we saw that last year with the whole audible thing, and and, and you know we're mm-hmm. seeing it now. And look at people that have left Green Bay. Can you find one person that has a positive thing to say about him? Yeah, and listen, that, that's a great point, man. And, and you know, I, the question I would ask to you guys is, like, do you think he would last five practices with Bill Belichick? Because obviously, no. you know, the second no. he made those comments Sunday night, the whole world gets turned upside down. Oh, he's in the free agent. He's on the market. You can trade for him, which I don't think is accurate because uh, today the management team for the Packers came. I think it was something Murphy, the guy that runs the uh, yeah, the CEO. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. So he came out and said, we'd be stupid to trade him away, which makes sense because they're not trading him away. But I, you've got to look at this for what it is. I mean, it's not on the franchise that you lost this game, uh, Aaron Rodgers. You were in position three times late in that game to essentially put the nail in the coffin. Tom Brady was giving it back to you, essentially throwing lollipops down the field, and you couldn't capitalize on that. Like, I understand. I understand Mike LaFleur had a pretty bad call where he decided to go kick a field goal instead of going for it. But, like, I mean, we can't just, just like the penalty thing, we can't just hinge the whole game on one play. Aaron Rodgers needs to look himself in the mirror and grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Preach. The one thing I no. want to hit on, though, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to just go back, just, you know, take a step back to the, to the field goal kick. I honestly didn't have an issue with that kick at the time. I didn't either. Because of how Tom Brady and that offense had played in the second half and mm-hmm. how Green Bay's defense had played. Um but at the end of the day, it is Tom Brady on the other yeah. sideline. He gave him the ball back. He's going to close it out. Yeah. I mean, it was not but, even asking him to go get a field goal or a touchdown. It was just to get a first down in. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's kind of um, – I mean, I'm not saying easy for Tom Brady, but I feel like he can manage that, right? Um, the one thing I do want to hit on is the Bucks offense because I've seen this quite a bit from the Bucks offense, and it is starting to become a little bit of an issue. There's some serious disconnect between Mike Evans and Tom Brady. Um, all three of his turnovers in the second half came off of balls he was thrown to, to Mike Evans. Um, two of them was Tom Brady's fault, and one of them was Mike Evans' fault in my eyes because he threw it a little bit too high, but Mike Evans still had the his hands on the ball, and he should have caught that. But Tom Brady feels like Mike Evans should be this like ultra jump out the jump out the gym guy where he can just throw you know rainbows to him and he'll catch it, and he does that quite a bit. And I feel like we saw this type of herky jerky offense back in the middle of the season when they were still trying to work kinks out. Early to middle part of the season, they were doing this kind of shit where they're just throwing lollipops up in the air, hoping Mike Evans would come down with it. Um, you know, one of the interceptions, Leonard Fournette blew uh, the blitz assignment, and he just Tom Brady just threw it up. Luckily for Brady, a lot of these um, scenarios that was horrible. right through uh, the Leonard Fournette uh, blitz pickup or Brady's throw. Brady Brady just chucked it up and prayed. Yeah, yeah. That exactly, reminded me right? of Drew Bledsoe. That reminded me of Drew Bledsoe. 
Yeah, listen, man. He 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 thinks like Lamar. He thinks that uh, Mike Evans is like some sort of like absolute stud where he's got to throw the ball to him and he'll get it. But like Mike Evans doesn't have that in him. He's not that dog. He's not like a Julio Jones in a big body. He's kind of like a little bit of a softer big wide receiver if that makes sense. And I like think Sean Johnson. I, I I mean that's a good comparison, man. Like I really do, man. But a little bit more than a possession receiver, but like you know, like hate to say this, but like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Like he's mm-hmm. marketed mm-hmm. as that guy. <laughs> That mm-hmm. is, is gonna get the contested ball. He's gonna mm-hmm. outbody people, and it's like, dude, like you don't do that. And then you come up and you start chirping and you try to fight Marshawn Lattimore half the time. Mm-hmm. It, like, no, a, a bigger version of Keyshawn Johnson. That's that's what he is. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a little disappointed in all uh, both Mike Evans and Godwin. Um, Godwin again had a couple of bad drops in that game. Um, you know, I think they're drops. Bird thinks that they're bad throws by Brady, whatever the difference is. But, I, I mean, Godwin in itself has lost some confidence. And, and Mike Evans himself, he's very streaky. I, I think these guys really need to get on the same page for the Super Bowl because if you have that kind of performance against the, bucket, against the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you're going to get run out of the gym. It's going to be pretty bad for you. I mean, Chris Godwin still had 110 yards receiving in this game. So, I mean, sure. you, you can't really bash him that much. I mean, yes, he had a drop or two that were bad, but... I mean, he's a big part of that offense. I would say he's more important to their offense than Mike Evans is, and I don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's important too, but like this has been a recurring theme for Godwin all this postseason. Is three games in a row now. Like five against Washington. What was it like? Uh, three, three or four against three the against Saints? Saints. Yeah, and then and another then, two against. I mean, it's. I. I, I maybe it's as simple as these guys just don't know the big stage yet, and maybe they're going through the experience now. Uh, maybe they'll come up bigger in the Super Bowl because of these, you know, issues they've had. But I, I've been disappointed in both Mike Evans and Godwin. Um, I, I will say this. I think Scotty Miller, like, I think he's the toughest out of all three of those receivers. Like, uh, the guy shows a lot of grit, a lot of heart. I mean, he's always there when Brady needs him. I like Scotty Miller quite a bit. And I know Antonio Brown will get some of the rips when he gets back and healthy. But Scotty Miller should be featured in the office a little more. Tyler Johnson, too, is going to be a player for them. Mm. Yep. I mean, he only had one catch in this game, and the other target was that flag at the end of the game. But, you know, throughout the playoffs, he's 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 had to come in and make some catches at some critical times, and he's mm-hmm. he's looked pretty good doing it. So, yeah, I mean, he had that really big uh, catch against the Raiders, which was the same exact play that they ran against the um, the Packers this past week. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, cool. Uh, so our buddy Burge wants to hit on this uh, Bill Belichick Tom Brady debate. You know, essentially. <sighs> Uh, you know, <laughs> he wants to, he wants to, uh, he wants to elaborate on that a little bit. So I'll, I'll yeah, let me go get sir. my noose ready. Hang on. <laughs> no, you, know what, you know what? You know what? Before we get to that, like, you know what? I think Brandon, you said it perfectly where, you know, you got a question from one of the audience members. Do you want to put the question yeah. out there and give let you me, a quick, let me, let me well, give you a quick analysis. Well, give you a quick analysis on that as well. And then me and Burge can jump in real quick. And of course my phone decides to restart, but essentially <laughs> it's from, it's from a friend of the pod, our boy, Josh McNaught, AKA Haitian Houdat. And essentially what he asked was, you know, with this win uh, by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Sunday, does, how does this make Bill Belichick look moving forward? Um, what do you guys have to say about that? And I know you guys have a lot to say about that. So have at it. I'll be. What do you say about it first? You go. You go first. You go first. Remarkable. I mean, unbiased. Unbiased. I, I, I'm of the thought, and I said this kind of last week uh, on the pod. Maybe it was the week before when we were debating about the first Super Bowl uh, that uh, Brady won. I think it, it. You know, Brady needed Belichick. Belichick needed Brady. But like in my opinion, like, and I think this is kind of showing it right now. 
like Belichick needed Brady a lot more than Brady needed Belichick. Like those first couple of Super Bowls, sure. Like that was all Bill Belichick with like the defense and the scheme and putting players in the right position to succeed. But when you start getting to like the Carolina Super Bowl or, you know, and then the Eagles Super Bowl and everything after that, that is when Brady started taking that step into the elite category, into the greatest of all time. And that's when I think the pendulum started to swing a little bit more towards Brady. And then you look at what Brady's done this year. He's overcome an, an, an incompetent, you know, buffoonery head coach and offensive coordinator pairing and Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. And listen, I love those guys as people. I love I love me some Byron Leftwich. I was a fan of his when he was a player. But as an offensive coordinator and, and as Bruce Arians call in place too, like it is just mind-boggling what with the weapons that they have and they can't seem to get out of the way and Tom Brady has to kind of pick up the weight. Whereas you look in you, at the other sideline, you see what the Pats have done. And Jay, you're gonna, I know you're going to say this. Like everyone was taught, and it was also like a meme at points online in the heyday of the Super Bowls that the Pats were winning. That you could just drop a guy that was bagging groceries at Market mm-hmm. Basket, and they would be able to fit that scheme and win like ten games. And you know, we saw that this year. And yeah, we can make the argument of like COVID, and we can make the argument of the opt outs. But like at the end of the day, this is the greatest coach of all time and we couldn't do more with what we have given what we were told he could do with less. Who's tell who's telling who's telling everybody that? That's what I want to know. Who's telling everybody oh, that? Oh, oh, oh anybody that, that was puffing I'll, puffing their I'll puffing their that? chest after I'll winning the Super Bowls. It wasn't I'll me. Answer that it wasn't a new burst, but like you could look at right, greater you know, New England and I, I, everybody I, I, would be saying that. I'll answer this right now because the coaching staff themselves said that. And I, the reason why I bring this up is because they were talking about this on the radio the other day and they pulled it up from a book that one of the prominent reporters, one of the prominent reporters in the Boston area went in and actually got access to the Patriots and wrote a book on it, right? So Ian O'Connor, he has a book on Belichick and mm-hmm. the Patriots yep. and his whole legacy. And on page 366, this is the exact quote, fairly or unfairly, Belichick's system elevated Brady and not the other way around. General feeling around the staff members was Patriot Way wouldn't make Super Bowl quarters out of all 32 starting quarterbacks, but if you gave us any of the top 15, we would do it. So from within the organization, he pulled this quote saying that, hey, Brady and this coaching staff thinks that essentially you give us a top 15 quarterback, it doesn't matter who's in there. Okay. That's, that's where the narrative is coming from, from inside, okay. the, inside the coaching staff. So you asked me, where is it coming from? And it's coming from Belichick's staff himself, which is so, coming so- from Belichick. So, so, so we haven't actually been able to test that theory, have we? Yeah. What is seven right now? This year? It's one zero. It's one zero. Oh, so Cam Newton's one of the top fifteen quarterbacks in the league. Is what you're saying? What you're telling me? I mean, when he was signed, everybody was saying we signed mm-hmm. a former MVP, and he was a former MVP five years ago. But at everybody the beginning of the season, the, at the beginning of the season, he was a top fifteen quarterback. The way the media was promoting it and how their Super Bowl odds jumped because they signed him, yeah, you would believe that they signed a top 15 quarterback. But here, here's, my, here's my whole point with, with Belichick, and, and I'm going to try my best to not call go, him names. And I'll, go ahead, and I'll go ahead, go ahead. As possible. I'll give my analysis after. For me, Belichick seems like a guy who we all thought was this like super smart individual who kept his emotions in checks, didn't hold vendettas, blah, 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 did what's best for the Patriots organization. 
unfortunately, that's not who he is. The guy is as petty and as small-minded as they come, and he drove Brady out of New England when he didn't have to, right? In 2014, he drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, and I understand you want to have a succession plan. I get that. But that night, he went on national TV or whatever radio interview he was doing, and he said something to the lines of, well, we know what Brady's situation is with the contract and his age. So he's starting to lay the foundation for the future. But then for the next six years, you saw this guy in practice every single day, throw the ball over and over and over again, and he still is not losing any velocity. He still is driven as ever to win the Super Bowl, and you decide you still want him gone? That's why I question his decision-making skills. I understand there's a lot behind it where there's contract disputes and money and this and that, but at the end of the day, Belichick had a front-row seat every single day for six years and saw that, hey... This guy can still throw the football, but I still don't want him on my football team. That's why I'm questioning him. Okay. So here, here's how I feel about this, all right? I, Tom Brady is not the player he is today without playing for Bill Belichick in New England. With that system, with the culture that he had in New England for his 20 years, he's not that player today if he doesn't play for Bill Belichick. So I'm of the m- mindset that Bill Belichick made Tom Brady, and Tom Brady took it to another level. Tom Brady, no doubt, greatest quarterback of all time. Right now, you, you want to compare the two, which I think is a stupid argument to begin with. I think Bill versus Brady and who's more responsible for the last 20 years, I think it's dumb. Why can't we all just enjoy the fact that we had two of the best ever at their respective positions uh, for as long as we did and for as good as they were? Now, with Bill, Bill has always done this. In 20 years that he's been the head coach, always done this. He has tried to move on from a player a year too soon rather than a year too late. You look at it with like, with like Logan Mankins as a prime example. Uh, you, you just go down the list. They're all there. I, I'd have to pull them all up. I mean, he did it with Lawyer Malloy. He got rid of him. That was controversial. You know, all 20 years he's done that. Brady has co- completely exceeded expectations. He's doing what no other player in the league has ever done. He's ne- there has never been somebody this good at 43, ever. Now I get like it, it sucks that he left, and i have always I, I've stood by this since since it happened. As much as it kills me sentimentally, I believe it was the right move for both parties to split. Brady gets to go to a loaded roster, and look, he's going to have his chance at a title. Belichick gets to start his rebuild that he's been wanting to do for the last six years with 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 Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Brady's on this team this year, they're, they're no better in my opinion. And yes, you can fault Belichick the GM, not Belichick the coach for that. And I also believe you have to evaluate the two spots separately. You can't evaluate it as one despite them being, uh, you know, intertwined. Like, Bill the head coach, if you want him out of New England and you want Adam Gase coaching New England, man, you got some issues. Belichick took this trash roster. Yes, I know he constructed it. He took this trash roster and won seven games, and it was probably a handful of plays away from, from winning eight, nine, or even ten games this season. So I don't get the hate for Bill Belichick. I believe that he needs to be afforded another two seasons to, to find the next guy and start the positive trend up for this organization because if he does that, both parties win. Both parties win at the end of the day. The split happened. Both parties win at the end of the day if the Patriots are set up for the next 10 years of success. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. So why is he afforded extra flexibility for the next two years 
when for the past five, he hasn't drafted well either, right? So I, I can understand if for the past five years he drafted at an extremely high level and we would be totally fine with Belch- with Brady walking out the door. But why are we going to afford him two more years when the previous five have told us he can't really draft? Because he's doing it without the greatest of all time quarterback. And why, why, why is the greatest of all quarterback gone? Because they wanted to split up. They? Brady or... wanted... They. They. Okay. So Brady wanted to leave. They, when you say they, you Brady text, and Bill, you in text form yesterday told me that Bill Belichick and Kraft did not offer him a contract. Correct. So when you don't offer somebody a contract, how are you letting them know that you want them there? Because they There's didn't want lot. him there. What's up? They didn't want him there. Exactly right. So so and that's Brady wanted point. to go. Did that, that, Brady that did ex- not want to go. That that's extension. Not, that's that's no. That's where me and you will differ because I have it on good authority from prominent Boston reporters that said that he was trying to work it out with the Patriots organization. If he would have given them some sort of contract, Brady would have would have went back to Belichick and maybe thought about some sort of negotiation. But when you when you don't give somebody even a contract extension to begin with, or even a contract to start negotiations with, what is that telling you? Why would you want to go back there to a place that constantly shits on you? hates on you, right, and essentially has your worst interest at heart, not your best interest. And so what are you going to sign, like a piece of paper and show up to practice the next day? Like, I don't understand the whole argument that, you know, essentially Bel- Brady walked out the door when Belichick was pushing him as hard as possible out the, out the door. Brady, Real Brady, quick, go ahead, go ahead. I'll say this. Like, the last contract he signed with the Pats, he worded it and structured it in a way where he could void the last year and leave. So, like, no, that was him negotiating no, that contract. It automatically and, voided. It and, automatically voided. Right. So, like, he already had that escape hatch built into his contract when he signed to play the last year with the New England Patriots. Exactly. So, he wanted out. Belichick and Brady didn't want – obviously, Belichick and Kraft – I think Kraft came out and said after that extension was signed that he wanted to give Brady the opportunity to be a free agent for the first time in his – in his in his in his entire career, because he felt that he deserved the uh, the opportunity to to explore his options, and I am a hundred percent okay with that. And yes, it sucks that he's not here. The guy's my favorite athlete of all time. He brought me so much happiness for the last twenty years. But like, I'm gonna die on the hill with that. This split up was the best for both parties, best for the Patriots and best for Brady. Brady's gonna have an opportunity to win his next Super Bowl, if not two. If he keeps playing, who knows how many he could win. I mean, this guy said he wants to keep playing until he can't anymore, and he's not really showing that he can't play. So that's why I am affording Bill the two years to ascend this team up. And to be honest with you, if you want to fit the narrative perfectly and, and really give it the opportunity to you know decide who wins this debate, Jimmy Garoppolo's got to come back to New England. But Jimmy Garoppolo was Bill's guy, the guy that Bill wanted to succeed Brady here. Brady didn't let that happen because Brady kept playing so well. Now, that's why you get Jimmy Garoppolo here this offseason, and let's just say it flops. Okay, Brady wins. It's two in a row. Okay, done. Jimmy comes here. They make the playoffs next year. They win a game. Okay, you you, you start teetering it a little more, and then the year after that, they go and they win. Bill, both parties win. And I don't understand how, like, as a fan of the last 20 years for the Patriots, you can't root for that to happen. And what? Are you talking to me? How I can't root for that to happen? Or I'm, talking, I'm just talking in general. I'm talking in okay. general. How anybody cannot root for that to happen. Like, I want Brady to win. And well, that's, 
Well, well, that's one of the things you don't you don't get to decide what anybody roots for or doesn't root for. Like I will root for the Patriots how I want to decide I root for them, and you can root for them how you want to root for them. Like that's the one thing that irks me more than anything is when you somebody tells me, "Well, you've got to be happy for Bill." No, I don't got to be happy for shit. Like the guy it, to me is the reason why we're in the situation where the team is seven and nine has absolutely no no like progression possible. Right, we don't even have a future quarterback. Where we could have had a quarterback that was willing to work something out with us and be on the roster that's in the Super Bowl right now. Right, and and I think the biggest thing that that, that pisses me off the most is it's not what's best for the team. It's what's best in Belichick's interest. Like, the guy c- pretends to be this, like, great savant about how he's, like, so, like, even keeled and well-minded and he's going to, he knows what's best for the team when he himself can't keep his emotions in check. I, I truly believe he drove Brady out because of hate and resentment and jealousy. Nothing more. Nothing more. Because we know, we, a lot of people around the Boston media say, well, it's not really about winning. It's about winning and making sure Belichick gets the credit. You'll get, you'll get pushed out the door as quickly as possible if you get more credit than the coaching staff. And some of the, remarks that, some of the remarks that come out of Patriot plays from the, the stadium itself, from the coaching staff, back that up. And I'll give you one last story before I turn it over to you. Tom Curran on his podcast this past week was talking about a conversation that A.J. Smith and Bill Belichick had in the 2006 Pro Bowl where essentially uh, Bill Belichick was the uh, 2006 head coach for the, uh, for the Pro Bowl, right? And they're all standing out there. They're looking at practice. And, you know, essentially Belichick goes up to um, A.J. Smith and says, listen, I absolutely love your guy. And at that time, A.J. Smith was a GM for the San Diego Chargers. I love your guy. Philip Rivers is what the NFL is all about, right? And essentially went out and talked about how he was fawning over him for like five minutes straight. And at that point, A.J. Smith turns over and looks at Belichick. But what about your guy? I mean, he's pretty good, right? Tom Brady's a great athlete in 2006. I mean, at that point, he had won three titles. And he comes back with, nah, nah, not really. He's not all about football. He's too much Hollywood. Uh, it's, not really, it's not really what the NFL is all about. So, like, when you hear those kind of stories about, about Bill Belichick and how he views Tom Brady, I, if you're going to make a subjective argument about, hey, in two years we'll be this great, well, then maybe I can make another subjective argument your way and say, well, maybe, Miss, maybe Belichick essentially held Brady back and maybe Brady could have won 10 Super Bowls by now. I mean, he went down in his first year with the buffoon head coach and got him a Super Bowl. So if we're going to do subjectives, then why can't I turn the other way around and say that as well? I like to deal in facts, and the facts are right now, Bill Belichick has never shown you that he can win without Tom Brady, but we can't see that Brady can win without Belichick. We're going to see, we're, well, we're going to see that next week. If he beats Mahomes, you got a leg to stand on. But, like, again, like, I, I don't understand, like, why, why like, like you, you want this to happen. Like, that, that's what I don't get. As, like, as a fan of, like, this team for the last 20 years, I want both of these two guys to succeed. I want them both to, to set, the, like, I want Brady to win, and I want Belichick to set this team up for the next coach with the next guy for the next decade. That's what I want. I want the Patriots to be relevant for as long as possible. If they brought Brady back, you might get another few years out of it, but you're not going to get that, that reset that needs to happen. And th- that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm driving at here. And, you, you know, you, you, bring, you bring all that up, and, you know, 2006, like, that's 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Like you can make the argument that that Bill the GM held Brady back the last in those those ten years in between uh, you know Super Bowls. Like you can definitely make that argument that they're not surrounding enough them with enough talent. They're not putting enough uh, enough guys around him on offense to, to to win. You absolutely can make that argument, and I'll and I'll support some of that. But in terms of the head coach, this guy is not a fraud. He's he took a bad Cleveland team and took them to the playoffs and won a game. 
And if you, again, you want to bring up the record from, you know, you bring up that record in Cleveland all the time to me. And so I've, he, he turned that franchise around at the time before they, 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 they had a bad year at the year after when all the rumors were around them moving to Baltimore. Like that, that's the part that I don't get. And like, you got to give Bill a chance now to to reset the roster. He's a coach. It's a different different thing. Like if you want to compare quarterback to quarterback, that's fine. But it's not apples and oranges comparing the head coach to the quarterback. Well, I, you know, Jade, we talked about this on the car ride back from New Jersey, and that basically became a, a therapy session. And, and, and this all ties back, in my opinion, to the drafting of Garoppolo. And those still mm-hmm. listening, I swear to God, we're going to get the Bills game. But you know, this all dates back to the Garoppolo. Uh, drafting. They drafted Garoppolo. Belichick wanted to have the planning success- succession already in place. And, and, and you know, Burge and everyone else, we can all agree that Bill likes to move off of somebody a year too early rather than a year too late. But the problem is, is the Pats kept winning. So it's it's it would it would have been an unpopular move to move off of Brady, which after Garoppolo got drafted, what is he a four time champ, three time champ? What, Brady what was that? three times. Three-time champion, right? So it, it would have been an unpopular move to do that. But you kept winning Super Bowls. And when he still wanted to stick by his guy in Jimmy Garoppolo, Bob Kraft finally stepped in and said, nope, we're sticking with Brady. And he, in my opinion, he forced that trade of Garoppolo to San Francisco. But now he could not do that move again with Bill Belichick. He can say that he wanted to have Tom Brady test the free agency waters all, the t- all he wants. But in reality, in my opinion, he might as well have just come out and said, I couldn't have stepped on Bill Belichick's toes a second time in a row for Tom Brady. I had to, you know, essentially appease Bill Belichick and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I, and well, the thing about that is, and I think a lot of people don't want to call it out for what it is. I don't think that Belichick wanted to move off of Brady because he was seeing decline in him. I mean, that's not the case. For the last six years, Brady has shown no decline. Maybe 5% max, which can be easily made up with his intangibles. Easily. But you move off of him because for the wrong reasons. You move off of him because you hate the man. You can't stand his sight. You, you, there's a disdain that you have built up for him that you just cannot stand to see him in your, in your, in your, in your stadium. Like, I, I would be totally fine if we got the next Patrick Mahomes and he was out there slinging. I'm like, oh, you know what? We got 15 years of this. We've got 15 years of essentially Patrick Mahomes level football, which is better than Brady. That's fine, Brady. Hit the door. See you. Thank you for your six, uh, six Super Bowls in 20 years. That's fine. But that's not the case because now we know who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Like, we have an authority of three years of game tape of Jimmy Garoppolo. For, are you telling me he's playing at a better level than, than Tom Brady? No, he's not. Absolutely not. On top of that, he can't stay healthy. So my biggest issue is, yes, he wanted to force him out, but why? Why, was, why did you hate the man so much that you decided to put the Patriots franchise in jeopardy because of your hate? That's my biggest issue. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some numbers at you, okay? So Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted in 2014 by the Patriots, right before they won that Super Bowl against the, uh, the Seahawks. The three years previous to that, his rating, his quarterback rating declined every year. 105, 98, 87. And then when Garoppolo got here and he knew he had somebody behind him, that guy played lights out for the next four years. Okay? You could argue that Bill Belichick drafting Garoppolo motivated Brady to play better. Okay? And then you look at the last, last few years for the Patriots. There was the, the quarterback rating declined each year again. For the Patriots, 102 in 2017, uh, 97 in 2018, and 88 in 2000, 2019. 
So you could you can say what you want about that, but like you could see wh- why Bill Belichick is is acting the way that he is. Obviously, this year it went up in Tampa because I was just I was, I was like, a loaded are you roster. Up or no? I was like, are you going to bring that up or no? Yeah, he goes to a loaded roster with, with high first round draft picks why, for the why, last. Why? Why is that something that people use as an argument? That's what your GM is supposed to do. Your GM is supposed to give you receivers and players to play with. Why is that an argument Tampa, they're using? Because Tampa Bay has been a bad team for the for, for forever. They've had all these high draft picks. So, like, so, so, so you have high draft picks, you're going to get good talent. But 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 that's what Bill Belichick is paid to do. He's he's paid to be the GM slash head coach. He's supposed to find those Julian Edelman's or the Danny Amendola's or whoever it is and coach them up to be great players. And now he, for some reason, can't seem to do that without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, like, why is that an excuse? Why is that an argument you guys use that he went to a little roster? That's what every single team is trying to do. There's a Tyreek Hill in Kansas City and a Travis Kelsey. That's what teams do. They try to support their players instead of hate on them and drive them out of town. You have Patriots have been picking it in the last half of the first round. You know that's why they you know they probably traded out to get more picks to get more players. Well, they but, won the Super Bowl. They were going to be in the back half anyways. Yeah, and and they've been in the AFC Championship game. They were in the AFC Championship game like ten years in a row. So you're going to have like a 28 to 32 pick for the last 10 years. Like that's going to catch up to you at some point, regardless of how you draft, regardless of how bad bad Bill Belichick's drafts have been over the four years. That's going to catch up to you. Picking that late is going to catch up to you, and you're not going to have that top level talent in the draft every year because you're picking so late. Yeah, but you're the not Buccaneers, in the business to lose. No, exactly. Tampa Bay has been so bad that they've had all these high draft picks. And, you know, high picks in the second round and, and, you know, throughout the draft. And they hit on him. Yes, they did hit on him. But, like, you don't get all that talent by winning every year. You don't, you don't continuously build top-tier talent on your team by picking 28 to 32 every, every year. So, that's kind of where uh, I sit. I, I've, I've said my piece. Uh, let's talk some Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. Um, the Chiefs ended up blowing out the Buffalo Bills 38-24, uh, much to the uh, dismay of the resident Bills fan. Um, Puma, how'd you take go. this game? What was your analysis? <laughs> my, oh God, my analysis of this game is, uh, I kind of said it in the, in the Packers game here, of, you know, almost scared coaching. Like, the, the, the Bills, they came out, they, they, they started off with a, a nine-point lead. Uh, you know, Tyler Bass missed an extra point. It could have been 10 nothing. And, and I saw that score, and I was like, well, the Chiefs are right where they want. Like, they, they've always played from behind. And, I mean, they went on a tear. I think the second quarter they scored 21 points, uh, third, 10. The last quarter they only scored a touchdown. And just some of the play calling, man, like, you, I get it. Like, at the time, it, the game wasn't really that far out of reach. Like, if you played it smart, you could have started clawing back in the game. But, like, at the end of the day, like, you can't settle for field goals. Like, you have to put touchdowns on the board against the Kansas City Chiefs. And there were a couple of times where I think the Bills, they could have used Josh Allen's athleticism to his advantage. And, yeah, I know he's going to get buried for the sacks that he took. And I was the loudest one in my house burying him for him. Those were stupid sacks you shouldn't have taken. You lost, like, 20 yards on each one. But when it's, like... Fourth and three, fourth and two, and you're up against the wall against the Kansas City Chiefs. You're telling me Josh Allen can't fall forward, being like six foot five and you know 230 pounds. You're telling me he can't fall forward and get those short yards. He led the team in rushing, seven rushes for 88 yards, 
which, by the way, my over on the Josh Allen rushing yards hit. Um, but, you know, I, they, they didn't really use his athleticism that much. And he, he, he had a couple – he had two – he had one brutal pick, and I think one came back because it was ruled incomplete. Um, but, I mean, this team, it, 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 under the bright lights, it showed that, you know, they were young. They really probably weren't ready for the moment. And this was probably the, the biggest – Fan, uh, fan base that they were playing in front of. What were there, like 15,000 fans at Arrowhead on, on Sunday? Um, I, I think they're going to be back. Uh, I, I believe they're going to be back. The core, is, the core is young. They're all together. We're going to see the Buffalo Bills for you know a, a lot more uh, playoff runs. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they're, they're just the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Like, you know, with, with Patrick Mahomes and those offensive weapons around, uh, you, you, it's really hard to lose that game. I mean, like I said, they were in a nine-point hole, and that's where just where they wanted to be. They finally won uh, by more than one score for the first time since week nine. I thought Steve Spagnuolo uh, was kind of the unsung hero of this game with the defense that he was calling. He was confusing Josh Allen. He was playing zone a lot. We saw Allen confused a lot in the playoffs, and even in the regular season at times, up against zone coverage. Uh, you know, this was this was the better team. Like this was the better team. I can say that as a guy that is a Josh Allen fan. I like the Buffalo Bills, and they were just the better team on Sunday. Um, so, congrats to the Chiefs punching their ticket, third time in a row AFC Championship game, second time back to back Super Bowl appearances. I, it, it's hard to say that Andy Reid is probably not the best coach in football right now. That's that's it. Nope. Like, Don't say that. It. Don't say that. We got a guy up in Foxborough that has a seven nine record this year. Uh, Burge, what's, <laughs> well, listen, I, hey, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, what's, I, uh, what was your takeaway from this game? And before you go, just quick uh, second. Um, Puma, like, can we bury that whole, like, uh, argument of, like, well, Kansas City wasn't covering. I mean, that's why they're able to maybe be picked off in the playoffs. Like, I really do believe Kansas City has gone to this point now where they're kind of bored with the regular season a little bit, kind of what the Patriots were in the heyday of their dynasty, where they would just kind of make it to the playoffs and then they really turn it on. And you can see this team really turned it on in the playoffs. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, Dave... They should have lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I, I don't believe in, in coasting. And if they would have dropped the Atlanta Falcons, the Buffalo Bills had a, a puncher's chance to get in the one seed. Like, no, I, I think they were coasting ever since they, they, they beat the Jets by, by two touchdowns. And, and ever since then, they, they were sleepwalking. And, you know, I think that, that the Buffalo Bills, maybe they could have had a, a chance at upsetting these guys. I said it since, you know, every week on the pod that, hey, Kansas City could be ripe for an upset. It didn't hit. I'll take the L on that. But all that information up until Sunday, I'm not going to back off that. The Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of those games, they deserve to lose. Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's turn over to Burge. And, sir, what was your analysis of the game? I'm a very happy man today. The <laughs> Buffalo Bills lost, and they, they basically kind of pooped on themselves in this game, you know, spotting themselves a nine-point lead, uh, you know, at the end of the first quarter. I mean – to be honest with you, this game, to me, you know, once the Chiefs got their first touchdown, I'm like, this game's over. Like, Kansas City is just proving that they are just so far and away better than any team in the AFC, if not the uh, the NFL at this point. Like, they just uh, – how Buffalo didn't have a game plan for Travis Kelsey and or Tyree Kill in this game kind of just blows my mind. I mean, 22 catches and, like, what – 
it was almost 300 yards receiving between the two of them. Yeah, 172 was, for Tyreek and 118 for Travis. Like, that's just absolutely inexcusable, especially when you know their passing game revolves around those two players. Nobody else had more than three catches in the game. So, like, Buffalo's coaching staff really kind of let drop the pooch going into this game. I mean, a team, they ran for 129 yards. They're not a running team. And, you know... I mean, it was nice to see Josh Allen throw some picks and those sacks. I, I was, I was cracking up. I'm like, this dude did this twice. Like those, those were bad. Like you can't let that happen. You got to get rid of the ball and at least not run backwards when, uh, when you're being sued like that. And, and I thought his little, uh, ball throw at the head of, um, one of the chiefs linebackers who sacked him was just so petty. It started a whole hilarious. little thing. I thought, I thought it was, was so dumb. I, I thought it was hilarious as well. I kind of I thought it was. I thought, I thought it was, <laughs> I was hilarious. Like, <laughs> I was like, you, yeah. you baby. Like, that's that's, yeah. that's what it I does, thought. It does, you baby. It does show some fight. And, and I'm sorry, I'm not cut you off there, bro. Do you have any? Uh... <laughs> no, I, I, at, the end, at the end of the day, like, their, their defense dropped the ball. And, you know, you know, say what you want about Bill Belichick. But, like. He knows how to scheme against this Kansas City team, at least for for half, to basically eliminate, um, you know, those two ta- those two targets. Um, and you know, I, I'm surprised that the Buffalo Bills defense didn't take a page out of what the Patriots did to them earlier in the year um, to try to try to limit Hill and Kelsey. They kind of just let them roll three, ro- uh, roam free out there. But just a final point: Can we just say what a tough bastard Cole Beasley is, playing on a broken fibula since Week 16? And, and still leading the Buffalo Bills in receiving in this game. Like, that that's some balls on that guy. And you know, hats off to him. I mean, I just I, I can't think of anybody else that would actually play through that. That's just, it's just yeah. incredible. Yeah, man, listen, I was watching this game, man, and I always say this. You've got to take um, your opportunity. You've got to run with it. Like, I, I bring this up all the time. You know, the, the, the Houston Texans were up 24-0 last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Titans were up, I think, 10 or 14 or whatever it was in the AFC Championship game. And the Buffalo Bills were up 9-0. Like, you've got to take this opportunity and run with it. You don't know when you'll be back. You know, a la, you know, Dan Marino, whoever else that doesn't make it back. Like, I, I thought when they went up 9-0, I thought maybe they would be able to keep this close. I, I still thought the Chiefs were going to win. But the Kansas City just came out and blew the doors off the, off the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, and the best way I can explain this is like, this was like watching like a, a great, great athletic, fast college football team, like maybe in Alabama play like a fairly, I don't know, like, uh, there was this old narrative that SEC teams could outrun big 10 teams. And that's what it felt like, right? Essentially the Alabama's of the world outrunning the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. And one team just looked like it was much better with a better quarterback, unfortunately. And, and they, and they got the win. And, and I was, and actually Puma, I, I will say this. I, I still do not give him his top five elite uh, status just yet, but I like I like Josh Allen and what he's doing, man. When I saw him throw the football against the guy's head, it showed me some chippiness. He, he has some competitive juices there. I know it was petty, it was small, but that's the kind of shit I love seeing from quarterbacks when they're down and out. Um, I just hope he can take the next step and essentially evolve into a better quarterback because anything that would make Bill Belichick look bad, I'm on board for that. So let's go Buffalo Bills. Let's go Josh Allen. Let's take Bill Belichick down. I mean... They're, they're running the whole squad back. I mean, Brian Dable is coming back. You know, Stephon Diggs has another year in his contract. Cole Beasley, I think, has another year in his contract. John Brown's still going to be there. Like, this whole core is still there. Gabe Davis, he's got a bright future ahead in the NFL. 
He was kind of he was uh, limited by uh, by an ankle injury. You could see it when he was even trying to run along the formation, uh, acting as like dummy routes, and he could barely move in motion. Um, but no, I mean, you know, yeah, like they laid an egg. I'll, I'll take the L on this, but the the future's bright in Buffalo. Like Josh Allen is he's got some he's got some chippiness. He's got a, he's got a bit of an edge, and he came out today, I believe, in an interview saying like, you know, I I hope I prove that that I'm I'm worthy of the draft pick of or where Buffalo uh, took me. And yeah, I get it. It's you know, air quote early coronation, but. You know, with what he's had done over the last three years, I, I think it's kind of proof positive at this point. Well, listen, he, he's a very likable guy. And, and I was thinking about this today. There's not many guys in the AFC that are not likable. I mean, Mahomes is a good guy. He seems like he's he's got his head on for the for the most part. You know, Josh Johnson is a good guy. I mean, you got Justin Herbert and Sean Watson. You don't hear anything bad about those guys. So it's kind of hard to hate these guys in the AFC. Like, back in the day, it was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck you, Peyton Manning. Like, you are going to lose to the Patriots no matter what. It's not there's a bad always guy. One person, there's always one person you can it's root against. It's the Manning against. family. Let them roll. It's the Manning family. Yeah, let me roll, right? Aww. So, and, and like, it's just hard to <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good characters in the in the AFC now that's going to be hard to 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 root against. And and the, and the question that I have is, you know, is is Josh Allen going to be able to take the next step next next year? Because you know, you did see some of that haywire gene that I don't like in him as well, where he's taking some unnecessary sacks. Um, he's got the deer in his headlight look a little bit. I saw that some of that as well that we saw last year in Houston. And he's got to somehow figure out to play with some more mental toughness down the road. Yeah. Uh. He's got his first taste of an AFC championship game. He'll be back. Yeah. And I, and I do wonder, like, I know you're going to go in there and essentially try to outscore them. Um, you, you, you essentially said it last week yourself. You've got to essentially not change who you are. You've got to go in and outscore them. But I, I think that might have been a bad tactic from the coaching staff. Like, you've had to play, keep away from them, keep them on the sideline. Um, I think those, uh, those early, uh, some of those three and outs and giving the ball back to Kansas City when they were hot was probably a big detriment on their part in the second quarter. Yeah. They also should have went for it a few more times on fourth down. They played scared as well. I will say they, they did. Played, I they mean, played and, and coached scared as well. Yep. I will be the first guy to to sell Sean McDermott out, who probably is in the. He should be in the running for coach of the year. And, and Brian Dable. Brian Dable's been a hell of an offensive coordinator. I think he won um, Football Writers Association of America's like best assistant coach this year. But I mean, they they coach scared this game. I mean. When, when we're in the third quarter, you've only put up a field goal at that point. Like, you need to start coming away with points. You need to start continuing drives. Josh Allen is athletic enough to get you the short yardage. We've seen that his entire career up until this point. So just, I, the, the, the timidness drove me insane. Uh, I, I, I just I, I couldn't believe what I was watching at times. But they'll learn. They'll be back. Not worried. You can argue that the last two games that the Buffalo Bills uh, played, that like the offensive game plan just seemed way off of what they what they needed to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look last week, like uh, against the Ravens, like that game was close until Lamar Jackson pooped on himself. Like, you know, you you gotta they gotta find if if they're gonna continue the the upward trend, they gotta find a running game uh, this off season and, and figure out how to kind of supplement what Josh Allen is doing to to, to to make that happen. And, you know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing to look out for with the Buffalo Bills is, 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 is Devin Singletary the guy? I don't think he is. Can they find somebody else, you know, to go in there and, and, and you know, establish a solid running attack? Yeah. Well, they did. Zach Moss got hurt, though. I mean, Zach Moss was the, the thumper guy. I mean, Devin Singletary, God bless him, was more of a, you know, the scat back kind of, kind of running back in that offense. 
But I mean, at the same time, you're not, you weren't worried about Buffalo's rushing attack all year, and you 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 add play uh, an effective play action to to Josh Allen and that offense. I mean, they're going to be lethal. So I, that's why I think like you find that that true down you know early down back that's going to be productive, get a lot of yards, and set that play action up because with with the receivers that they have, if they set that up, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to defend. Mm-hmm. I think Stephon Diggs for the most part had a good uh, good game as well, and Cole Bleasley, man, I mean he had about seven receptions for eighty eight yards and a broken yeah. leg. And Diggs had and, six receptions for seventy seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean for the most part they played they played okay. It's just it's just hard to go in there and match point to point with with the Kansas City Chiefs, man. And I don't know why teams don't understand this. Like you've got you've got to take one guy away. You can't give them both Kill and Travis Kelsey. Like you've got to, in my opinion, take away Kill because he's faster and he's more lethal. He's more explosive. He can score quicker than Kelsey can. So you've got to somehow bracket him or roll coverage on top of him. You got to do something to take him away. You just can't have him running wild and essentially every every he, his average catch was 19 yards. I mean that's that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like what is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's it's hard though too. I mean Matt Milano had Patrick Mahomes dead to rights twice, and he just spun the ball going down sideways to to Travis Kelsey. I think it was in the third quarter, and and they moved the chains and they scored on the touchdown right there. But it's you know. It, it's sometimes you just run sometimes to the hammer and sometimes to the nail. And when you're making plays like that and, and you still can't come away with the sack, because I think at that point it was third down, it's just not your night. Like, my God, it, it's, just, it's just so hard. Like, if it, Patrick Mahomes is a magician. Like, you know, everyone's saying goat versus baby goat, and that couldn't be more accurate in, in the Super Bowl matchup. It, it, this is it. This is it. Yep. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game, man. Like I, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Brady's gonna have to be like spot on. Like he can't miss a single throw. It's gonna have to be. Like, you know what? Sp- yeah. I I know we're early in this, but like yeah. it, we're gonna get to it next week. But <laughs> it's really gonna come down to the play calling of the Tampa Bay offense, and mm-hmm. you know, off, you know. But I think this is gonna come down to Byron Leftwich and, and and Todd Bowles, and I'll I'll hit that more next week when we do the game preview. But like. I'm not worried about the quarterback position. I'm not really worried about the defense as, as a whole. I'm worried about the people with the headsets on. Mm, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. That says a lot. I look forward um, to that next week. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, come back next week, uh, everybody listening. We'll give you guys a full breakdown of, uh, of the, uh, the Super Bowl matchup. But now, let's finish off the podcast with some quarterback news. Um, the Detroit Lions came out over the weekend and said that Matthew Stafford is available for trade. Um, they are mutually parting ways, and at the moment, they are taking and listening to offers. That's why Adam Shepard tweeted, uh, tweeted it out this morning. Um, so, guys, what are you guys thinking? Who do you think Matthew Stafford ends up with? What's your thoughts on Matthew Stafford as a potential quarterback for the next? He's only 32 years um, right now. He'll probably be, what, 33 when the season starts. Um, so you have him for, let's say, maybe another five, six years if he doesn't want to play into his 40s. Um, so what's your guys' thoughts on that? Puma, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, Indianapolis seems like a lock. I mean, mm-hmm. Philip Rivers retired. You know, Bolo, man, hell of a career. Pride of North Carolina State. The epitome of not pulling out with his uh, 10 kids. They have an offensive, mm-hmm. you know, offensive unit as a family. Um, but no, well, I now mean, that he's retired, he has more time to start a family. That's right. That's right. He could actually be the coach. They just have to have two more kids. Um, <laughs> Jesus. But um, 
But no, in, in all seriousness, I mean, the Colts are a Super Bowl-ready roster. The offensive line, even with Anthony Costanzo retiring, I mean, you have Quentin Nelson as a pillar on the offensive line for the next couple of years. And by couple, I mean at least 10, because the guy's an absolute stud on the offensive line. Uh, T.Y. Uh, Hilton, he's probably going to be gone in free agency, but, I mean, Zach Pascal has shown promise. Uh, I really like that Michael Pittman pickup. Uh, yep. Paris Campbell, he hasn't gotten enough buzz because he, he missed out all of last season. And then the back half of this year, when he was starting to come along, I think he, what was it, Jay and Burge? He had like a, he had a knee injury, right? It was everything but the yep. ACL, from my understanding. I think so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that defense is still young, they're still talented. You have Justin Houston there, you have. You know, uh, DeForest Buckner there. I think Indianapolis is going to be a, a large player in the Matthew Stafford sweepstakes. And I, be, I would not be shocked if he found his way to Washington. Washington football team, as much as they love Alex Smith, he is not the guy. Dwayne Haskins got cut. I, I love uh, Tyler Heineke. Heineke! Taylor Heineke! But, like, he's not the guy either. They could they could part ways with the first-round pick. Uh, the new GM, uh, Mayhew, he was uh, one of the front office executives that drafted uh, Matthew Stafford to uh, Detroit. Th- those two seem like, seem like a lock at that point. Those are my leaders in the clubhouse, I should say. Is there, how about you, Bobby? What you got? I was gonna, I was gonna say, Puma. You put it down on the uh, in the group chat that he's going to Washington. So I was kind of oh, surprised oh, yeah, that you put pulled... it on the board. You, I was gonna I mean, surprised you listed Colts first. I mean, Colts would be logically Colts are the biggest player. They are really just one quarterback away. Mm-hmm. But who would not want to play for Ron Rivera, seeing everything that he's done this year? You know, regardless of the ownership situation, mm-hmm. fighting cancer, battling cancer, winning the NFC East, and you could say what you want about the NFC East or the NFC least, but. That defensive unit can win football games if you have competent quarterback play. The offensive weapons on there, Antonio Gibson could be a top 10 running back in the league next year. Terry McLaurin's a top 10 wide receiver, in my opinion. Get a competent quarterback in there. Logan Thomas is one of the, is the top, five, top 10 tight end, possibly. I think he's going to be back. Put it on the board. What is it? It is January 26, 8.56 in the evening. I, I, I'll put it right now. I'm uh, Matthew right Stafford. Now. Matthew Stafford to Washington. Put it on the board. On the board. All right. So I was I was looking at um, I was just looking at the odds as to uh, to where they end up, and the football team is six to one odds uh, to land to land Matthew Stafford. The Colts, like you said, Puma number one, three to one. Forty Niners seven to two. Um, Broncos nine to two, and Patriots five to one. And you know, looking at it. It's hard to argue with you, uh, Puma, about the Colts. I mean, you know, they, they went to the playoffs this year. They pushed Buffalo to the brink. Um, it's hard to, if you're Matthew Stafford to not want to go there. I'm still the firm believer that he's not going to necessarily – I mean, he may get some input, but he's not going to have the final say as to where he, he uh, ends up getting traded to. It's going to be whoever gives the Detroit Lions the best return. Um, so Colts and, – and I like the 49ers here um, as well. It, it, you know, you're in con- – Conflicting reports about how they feel about Jimmy Garoppolo and how he's, you know, he gets hurt for them all the time and didn't have a great, all that great of a performance in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl last year. Um, You know, to play with Kyle Shanahan, um, who's a great offensive coach. Um, You have the weapons there with with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And don't forget about George Kittle. They have an effect, one of the best rushing attacks, you know, with Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman back there. 
I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if San Francisco, um, you know, is a major player in these, in these trade discussions. Um, it, it, as far as the Patriots con- are concerned, you know, the price might be too high for what they, what they want to pay. Um, and, you know, with the whole Matt Patricia coming back to, to New England, who knows how that's going to impact, you know, their odds and, you know, the Denver Broncos, I think they need to see another year with, with Drew Locke to see if they, they, they really can, can run with him um, in the future. I personally don't think he's the answer, but I think they want to see that. Yeah, from the, from the Patriots' standpoint, man, listen, it would be absolutely great to get Matthew Stafford in the building, and, and I think he's one of those guys where, you know, people don't talk about him much just because he's in Detroit and they're always losing, blah, blah, blah. So you don't get to see him as much, but the guy can throw the ball really, really hard. He's probably, like, top three biggest arm in the NFL right now. We just don't know because we don't see much of uh, of the Detroit Lions, right? So I would love for him to go to New England. Unfortunately, I don't think Bouch is going to be able to move um, enough draft assets around to, to get him, and on top of that, I just don't think that there's enough weapons to even be enticing for Matthew Stafford himself. Um, looking further down the list, I, I think Indianapolis Puma is, is a great uh, choice, like you said. San Fran would be a great choice as well. And then I think the New Orleans Saints, they're, they're way out, out there, but they need a quarterback as well. Um, if they can somehow figure out a way to get Dan Campbell, who just left the New Orleans staff, work out a deal with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that essentially, that offense with with the weapons that they have and, and the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the arm of Matthew Stafford in that stadium, in a dome, would be absolutely insane to watch it's just That'd a matter if they can fit that fit yeah. that under their cap because they, no they, got, some, they got a pretty big over. cap crunch so mm-hmm. that'll, yeah, that'll definitely a, be in play they're, yeah, they're 100 million over the over the cap and, and i'm sorry jay real quick like not only does he have the one of the biggest arms in the nfl he is the toughest son mm-hmm. of a yep. bitch he absolutely in the is. nfl like there jay you sent it to us and those those of y'all listening i would implore you to, to find i think it's like the nfl instagram page or something we'll along put it those on lines. the pro football radio page but like matthew stafford gets lit up by a defender for the cleveland browns and the guy's like escorted off the field and he's basically telling the coaching staff to go f themselves i'm going in on this play i'm going in on this fourth down and and they convert they convert for a touchdown where the guy couldn't even lift his arm up like he is the toughest Son of a bitch! I have ever seen play uh, play in football. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. he dislocated his shoulder on that play, yep. and and they couldn't pop it back in. But he's like, I want to go back in, and he was able to make that one throw mm-hmm. and won them the game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you want to talk about Mr. Line? That's it, and that's yep. no shade. That's no shade against Barry Sanders, but it's just it's just a fact. <laughs> Matthew Stafford is Mr. Line. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers was on the uh, the Pat McAfee show, I think, like mm-hmm. six, seven weeks ago, and he was talking about Matthew Stafford, and he was talking about how he was one of the first guys that started doing no-look passes, right? And I started thinking mm-hmm. to myself, well, how come we've never seen this? Like, what's going on? So I went and did, like, a little research on YouTube, and there's a little comp- uh, compilation put together. I mean, the guy really does do look, no-look passes like no other, man. He's been doing it for, like, six years now, and just because he's playing in Detroit, nobody's absolutely paying attention nope. at all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, listen, he's a great talent, that guy. I, I, unfortunately, I feel like most of his prime got wasted away. I do still think at 32, 33, he's got maybe three, four good years in him left. He's got to pair himself up with a great coach and a great organization, man. Whether it's, you know, Indianapolis Belichick. or San Francisco or... I mean, listen, I would be, I'd be more than happy to get to get him in the door, but I, I, it just makes no sense. Like, I don't think Belichick's willing to give up that much draft capital. And on top of that, like, I don't think there's enough weapons for him to come and play well in, in, in New England as well. The Pats roster might be worse than Detroit. And, and that is saying something. A roster that missed out on Kenny Galladay for all of two, all but two games at the beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing Ugh. that, like, you know, I, 
and this is not another slide of Bill Belichick, or maybe it is actually. Fuck, I'll say it, it is. It is, Jay. Why are you pulling <laughs> well, punches? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I, like, I truly do double believe down. that. I do truly believe people came to play in New England to win and win with Tom Brady, and essentially you would give up less money, but your stats wouldn't be as great, but you would get a ring out of it. Now you're going to come here, and you're going to work for a coach that's probably going to hate you in about three, four years anyways. <laughs> Like what? And you there's no weapons around. You got Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry. Like what? Why is he gonna come to New England? We've got to get our mindsets out of that. You know, well he'll come to New England because we've got blah 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 blah. X stupid reason, whatever it is. That's not who the Patriots are anymore. I wish it was different. I wish that we'd be able to essentially get Matthew Stafford on the door. But there's no way in hell. And that's part of my frustration is I see absolutely no way in hell we're gonna land a one of these great quarterbacks that's on the trade market. And it really hit me when I saw that report. Did you guys see the report that came out over the weekend where Deshaun Watson said his preferred destinations was the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins? Um, that was essentially from a reporter that talked to um, Deshaun Watson. And, you know, mm. it hit me that the Patriots were nowhere near that conversation. I know we don't have the draft capital. I know Are we don't have that money. But I am, I mean, I thought I thought people would want to come and play with with, <laughs> with Bill Belichick, right? I mean, why would, why, me. why would Deshaun Watson want to do that when Jack Easterby is a former Patriots guy and Nick Casario is a former Patriots guy and that's why he's so pissed off? Like, that, that shouldn't surprise you at all. I'm just saying, it just sucks that the New York Jets are a better destination than the New England Patriots right now. I mean, you can go to Miami and get, you know, your uh, no state income tax, but, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. Every, everybody <laughs> wants to go to Florida because you don't have to pay taxes. That, 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 that doesn't surprise me. Um, the, uh, God, God, no. Nah, nah. The rest of, that, rest of that spiel, Jay, is just bait, and I'm not touching it. Okay. It's just... It's just, uh, it's just some hard facts coming at you, you know? It's just bait. Just bait. <laughs> God, bait. Is that character? Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy being a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the next 10 years. Oh, God. Here we fucking go. Well, what does that mean? What does anything? <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> bandwagon. That's all you are. Bandwagon. I, know, I just call it like I see it. I don't put blinders on and just, you know, you know. <laughs> I promised I was going to be nice. All right. Uh, anything we, else? We, we've talked enough you? about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's go. Let's go. No, 15 it's, rounds. It's going to keep going all off season, Puma. No, so yeah, prepare God. yourself, man. This is yeah. going to be great. It's going to be yeah, great. I'll, I'll need welfare be, checks from the people that listen to the pod. It's going to be interesting. interesting with a capital I. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can't, I can't wait for us to have the conversations when uh, Bill Belichick decides to draft uh, – some you know douchebag in the seventh round, right? That he gave up his his first rounder for, but in exchange you've got like three seven rounders, two and six rounders, and one fifth rounder. <laughs> I can't oh, wait God. for that. I I really was thinking about this the other night. Like I wonder if Bill Belichick somehow ended up with the first overall draft pick. Do you think he'd be dumb enough to move off of that? Like let's say if there was Trevor Lawrence out there, but do you think Belichick would be dumb enough to move off that and get like nineteen seventh rounders? No, no, I'll take Mac Jones first. Nah, no, yeah, yeah. no, okay. All right. Okay. I just wanted to hear Jay have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, bottoming God. out if he, here. If we, if, if he get, listen, you guys will, as the offseason comes around, you'll start to hear a lot more about the quarterbacks that are high up in the draft. And if he reaches for Mac Jones at 15, that might be one of his worst, one of his worst draft decision moves that he's ever made. The guy, Mac Jones in itself, if you look at his tape, and, and I can send you guys some, some highlights uh, after we get off, like, Thanks. there's, 
there's separation that he's getting. Like, his receivers are getting separation, and he's still not hitting them between the numbers. It's, like, behind him. It's, like, above him. It's, like, the guy reach, receivers got to reach for him. The guy cannot move. He's not mobile. The NFL is going to a more mobile system. And if somehow Belichick decides to take Mac Jones, I'm going I'm to have a meltdown. I'm going to have a meltdown. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be there with you. I'll have a meltdown with you because I don't want them taking a quarterback at 15 to begin with. So, mm-hmm. either Either you. you move up, either you move up, which I don't think he has enough um, – capital to do that and i think there's a lot more teams in better situations to move up than over him but either you move up or you just you just punt you just punt and you try to find somebody deep in the third or fourth round or whatever it is that's what i want i want a linebacker defensive line in the uh, first round but we'll get to that in the offseason we don't need to spend time on that now <laughs> yeah. well, my eighth. Oh, go ahead. anywho nope we're <laughs> plugging this shit up um so <laughs> uh, unless uh you know jay you, you want the final word no, I, I'm just saying uh, 71 minutes is not bad. I, I thought this was really? much worse. Yeah, 71 minutes. We we, 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 we bulldozed through a lot of segments, a lot of analysis, and it was not that bad at all. Wow. It's still, it, and it's still unsettled. Oh, my God. I think it's, it's settled. Gonna, oh, it's not. Oh, it's oh not, God. Jay. Oh, it's and not. Just when we were one at guys, the 71-minute mark. One guy's in Super Bowl. One guy's at 79. Like, how, what more is there to debate? <laughs> You take you take your victory lap now, but oh yeah, I, exactly. Keyword victory. <laughs> you take it now, but like give it a couple oh years, God. man. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, just I'll, saying. Just, I'll just wait for this hypothetical hypothetical situation. To play hypothetical. Out. All hypothetical. right, here's Chris yeah. Wallace doing what he should have done in the first presidential <laughs> debate. Um, so this episode of the Pro Football Radio podcast, in previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio podcast, can be found on SoundCloud, <laughs> Spotify, Google Play. Stitcher, YouTube, and the creme de la creme Apple podcast under Pro Football Radio Podcast. Again, I'm going to keep saying this for at least a year, probably the entire time of the podcast. Jay Chima busting his ass to get us on Apple Podcasts, and he he fucking did it. So check us out, Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe, five-star review, leave some questions on there. We'll, we'll definitely hit those up on the uh, upcoming podcast, especially when we get into the off-season. We're going to be doing a little bit more mailbags. we got we got to get through the doldrums of the off-season. We can't be talking about oh, Belichick Brady no uh, up until up until <laughs> draft day. Jay um, finally did something good. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that for PFR after dark. Uh, but social media wise, Twitter, Facebook, pro, uh, Twitter at PFR podcast, Facebook, Instagram, uh, pro football radio podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Also hashtag Bella fraud. Uh, the senior contributor, senior analyst of the Pro Football Radio podcast, the yin to Jace Yang. When it Hashtag comes to the, Bella comes Goat. To the pads, Bella Goat. <laughs> Hashtag Bella Goat. We have at Burge, the goalie on the Twitter machine. A lot of witty banter, to say the least, between these two gentlemen about the Pats on Twitter. You can also see Burge going hard in the paint on 98.5, the sports hub. Uh, on the Twitter machine as well, too. Like, subscribe, download. That's all I got to say. And, Jay, you brought this up. We got to do a special shout-out for Freddie. Freddie was one of the original guys, of one of the original fans of the podcast, and he called it. He called it leading up to the season that Tampa Bay was going to go to the Super Bowl. So, Freddie, 
Freddy Soliotis. Here's a special, special Freddy, you're fired. Freddy Soliotis, your Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl. You're fired. Nice. My ears. Oh. Nice. Good, nice. Puma. Good. Good, Puma. Good. <laughs> Freddie, that's All for right. you, brother. All right, great podcast, fellas. I promised I was going to be nice, Burge, and I, I was. You know, I didn't, I didn't call many of those names that you don't like. Yeah, but, you guys set that up beforehand. But no, I, that, dude, that was, the the that was off the cuff. That was off the cuff. By the way, I'm working on a couple of different names as well. I mean, just just wait. Just wait. There's a couple good ones that I'm beta testing right now. I'm seeing how they land, you know. But don't worry. Austin will come around. We've got some more names for the old chump up there in New England. <laughs> Oh boy, this is gonna be a great off season. I know when to keep my mouth closed. I know when to keep my mouth whiskey. shut. It's not enough whiskey. <laughs> Jay, hit me. All right, see you guys. Bye bye. Bye, Acondios. <laughs> <laughs>